The title of the sermon is, What Do You Want Me To Do For You? It's a question that Jesus asks Bartimaeus in verse 51 of the portion of text that we're going to be exploring this evening. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. That's Mark 10, verses 46 through 52. I'm reading the ESV version. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Now on a very personal level, I think this particular story in Mark 10 is phenomenal. It presents us as believers with a tremendous story of authentic hope and faith in Christ. This portion of scripture reminds us that we can approach Jesus the great healer, the great physician, and he can heal our spiritual and physical blindness. But let's take a moment this evening to actually set the scene. Bartimaeus is blind. He lived in Jericho. Now, it's worth noting at this point that it would be far worse to have been blind in first century Palestine than it would have been to be blind here in the 21st century today with all the technology and everything that is afforded to us. He likely would have been ostracized from his community, isolated, lonely, guaranteed to live in abject poverty. But as we will see, Jesus can meet us even in those moments. However, one of the greatest drawbacks for being blind in that particular time was that Bartimaeus had no capacity to work, no way of supporting himself. This rendered him useless, worthless in the eyes of society around him. Therefore, he had only one option, and that was to beg. His goal would have been simple, to gain enough money, enough coins to feed himself. He probably lived hand to mouth, day by day, relying on the help and the generosity, the kindness of the people that passed by him. He undoubtedly would have been ridiculed, shouted at, perpetually ignored, seen as a nuisance, possibly even physically beaten, we don't know the verses don't describe it to us. And so I want to unpack these verses, verse by verse, so that we capture everything here in Mark 10. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a great and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. And context is always important when you examine scripture. Jesus was merely passing through Jericho on his way from Capernaum, to Jerusalem for the Passover. He had no 
intention to do any ministry. He had no intention of stopping. He had no real business in Jericho. Verse 47, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. At this point, friends, Bartimaeus knows that Jesus is close, close by, probably because he's heard the crowd shouting for Jesus in that moment. But it's interesting. Note Bartimaeus' response. His response was immediate. He instantly began to pour out his heart and cry for mercy in the direction of one person and only one person, Jesus. Nobody else. The Bible already has told us there's a great crowd there. There could be thousands of people. We don't know. But he gives his attention to just one person. He goes far beyond any cry for help that he would have expended in the days and the weeks and the months that had gone before him when he was begging on the side of that road. He knew that those people that could help him on the side of the road as he begged day by day could only offer temporary relief, fleeting moments of provision. But he knew at this point, Jesus had the answer. Jesus had the capacity, the capability, and probably the willingness to help him in his life. And so he addresses Jesus, crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Friends, we must have that same singular focus. Where do you channel your focus this evening? To whom do you pour your heart out to each time? Verse 48, and many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Listen to me, this verse is highly significant. We're gonna spend a good minute at this verse. If I were Jesus, at this point, I would be pretty irritated. I'd be pretty frustrated with my disciples. Jesus has been spending his time discipling these guys, training them, showing them what it's like to have a compassionate heart, a servant heart. And here's an opportunity for them to demonstrate it. And what do they do? They shout him down, or they attempt to shout him down and tell him to be quiet, that he has no place to even offer a view, raise his voice. And I think that's disgraceful on the part of the disciples. But as we can see, Jesus saw this as a divine opportunity to show the disciples that faith is paramount for the Christian life. But faith mixed with action will always produce a breakthrough. But let's be clear, everyone around him told him to be quiet. The reality is the people around him did include the disciples. Now, the disciples probably thought that Jesus wouldn't want to make time for him, or perhaps they were embarrassed at the idea of yet another beggar seemingly demanding Jesus' time and attention. They were probably quietly hoping that he would just shut up, or the noise of the crowd would drown out his cries, or he would just, after the first time of crying out for mercy, he wouldn't get any response, and he would just slink away into the back of the crowd or disappear out of sight. Wrong, bad call on their part. Little did they know that their nonchalant dismissal of Bartimaeus in that moment would become a valuable lesson for the disciples themselves. Which leads me to this point. Do not let your voice become silent because of the opinion of others or the expectation of others. Your voice has power. Cry out for Jesus, he will meet you. Don't listen to the person next to you that says you're not worthy, that says that you're not capable, that it's somehow not your portion. 
Even if every single person says that, you stand firm in the knowledge that if you cry out for mercy, Jesus will hear you. It's crucial that we also examine and understand that the response of Bartimaeus' first cry was met with unified rejection from the crowd. Why? He was seen as a second, probably third or fourth class citizen. He was not conforming to his position in society at that moment. He should have kept quiet, shut up, not said anything, and just be grateful that he could see Jesus from a distance. Bartimaeus at this point had two clear choices. One, do as the crowd have said, shut up and allow Jesus to go on his way without interacting with him or engaging with him in dialogue, conversation. That option automatically guarantees that Bartimaeus would continue to stay in poverty, in that state of barrenness, neglect, marginalization in his life that he had become accustomed to. Option two, speak up, ignore the nonsense that's been shouted at him and not allow Jesus to pass him by. This evening, friends, we have that same choice. We have to make a decision. Thank goodness that Bartimaeus chose wisely. He chose not to comply with the instructions or the demands of the people around him. These are the people that hadn't cared for him, hadn't helped him, hadn't served him in any way. He chose to ignore them. Why? Because Bartimaeus knew in his heart that Jesus and only Jesus could give him the fresh start and healthy future that he was looking for. He wasn't prepared to allow anything or anyone to hinder him. I implore you this evening, wherever you are in your journey with Jesus, demonstrate that same tenacity, demonstrate that same persistence and resolve, and you will find breakthrough. In Jesus' name, amen? It's also important to note that as Jesus drew closer physically, the cries of Bartimaeus got louder. He didn't surrender, he didn't become quiet. He became bold, audacious, candid in his communication to Jesus. And here's the best part, it worked. It worked, amen? He caught Jesus' attention. I can't find anywhere in verses 46 through 52 where Jesus spent a minute with anyone else other than Bartimaeus. And no doubt there would have been other people longing to spend a moment with Jesus. Nobody else is referenced. And I would like to think that it was because Bartimaeus was willing and prepared to shrug off the excuses, break off the spiritual etiquette, and just bear his heart before Jesus. That authenticity drew the attention and the focus of Jesus. He's cut across every confine, every man-made restriction. The people rebuking him, telling him to be quiet, he's gone across all of that and he wins. He conquered everything and he now has an audience with Jesus. Now you'd think at this moment he'd say, hey, he'd be pouring out his heart, let me see, let me see, I need to see. No, 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 no. He cries out for mercy, which surprised me when you first think about it because it wouldn't be a normal or a natural or certainly not the first response that one would make if you've been blind all your life. But it does show us one thing. He knew not to ask for help, because you'd think a little bit of pity, a bit of sympathy, a word of encouragement, maybe even some money would suffice. It would meet the need that he had that day. No, 
He knew that those things could not ultimately give him what he urgently needed, and that was healing. And so he cries out for the only thing that he knows, and that's mercy. He goes further and repeats the claim twice. So he's clearly motivated and knows that the mercy and the healing that he needs is on a magnitude so high that only Jesus could fulfill it. Don't be offended by this, but we've got to stop our pity parties as Christians from time to time. We've got to cry out for God's mercy. Bartimaeus had probably been praying for this exact moment his entire life. He was all in at this point. This was his one unique moment to possibly and almost certainly change the destiny of his entire life. Nothing and no one was going to block him. No humiliation, no slandering, no person next to him telling him to be quiet. My question this evening is, do we have the same attitude? Or are we too conscious of the spiritual etiquette that we have picked up, mastered along the way of our own Christian walk, where we think, I need to be on my knees in my bedroom praying before Jesus will heal me, or I need to have triple tithed this week before Jesus will heal me. No. Do you know what it was? Desperation. That's all it is. Desperation in the heart of Bartimaeus drove him. And that desperation for the presence of God has to drive us. Verse 49, and Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up. He is calling you. I don't know about you, but this is awesome. This is brilliant. Why? Because Jesus subsequently instructs the very people that had been telling Bartimaeus to shut up, to go and get him. Jesus is awesome, right? He's teaching his disciples a real valuable lesson in humility at this point. Nobody, irrespective of our circumstances, is beyond the love and the attention and the care of our compassionate and caring Jesus. Now, it's also interesting, isn't it? He calls them to go and fetch Bartimaeus. And yet we read time and again in other parables, other stories, where Jesus goes to them. It's interesting this time that they call, Jesus calls the people to bring Bartimaeus to him. So reluctantly, I suspect, they do it. They follow the instructions that Jesus has given them, and they call Bartimaeus. They even offer him a modicum of spiritual encouragement. Take heart. I mean, that is tokenistic in its greatest form. Basically, they're saying, be encouraged, old boy. Well done. Against all the odds, we didn't think you'd make it. You did it. Fair enough. Go for it. I mean, it's tokenistic. It's flimsy. It's feeble. As if Bartimaeus needs any more encouragement at this point. He has cried out with all of his heart, and now Jesus, the moment where his destiny, his life is going to be changed and transformed forever, is right there in front of him. And what happens? Got a couple of people telling him to take heart. I mean, he would have been bright and boisterous in that moment. And we see it in the very next verse. Verse 50. And throwing off his cloak, 
he sprang up and went to Jesus. Now, this is a verse, friends, that we could very, very easily glaze over as we get to where he's actually healed. But I want us to pay careful attention to it. The first thing that he does is throw off his cloak. Why? He knew in his heart that he didn't want to be weighed down by the old life, by the very thing that had almost defined him anymore. So before he even got up, he chucked it off. Huge levels of anticipation and expectation are emerging here in Bartimaeus's heart. His response is immediate and intentional. He didn't waste a second. Now remember, Bartimaeus is blind. He's a beggar. It's probably been the case for many, many years. And yet, Jesus didn't tell him to take his cloak off. He decided to do that completely of his own volition. Why? Because he knew it was part of his old life. But more than that, you could argue, well, it wouldn't really be in his interest, right? Being a beggar, cloak gives him a measure of protection against the elements, against the weather. He can put his coins, any food that he gathers in that cloak, keeps him warm, keeps him safe to a degree. He's throwing off the old life. He's running willingly and willfully into the arms of Jesus to secure that bright hope and victorious future. The past no longer had a hold on him. This provokes some thinking for us this evening. What are the challenges? What are the constraints? And what is the confusion that you're hiding behind tonight? Because the reality is that we've all got things that weigh us down, just in the same way that that cloak was weighing Bartimaeus down. Now, some of those things that weigh us down, we pick them up, we put them down, we pick them up. Other things are far more irregular. Our default, even as Christians, is that we want a measure of safety. We want a measure of security in our lives. And undoubtedly, that cloak would have acted as a safety blanket for Bartimaeus right the way through his journey and his life as a beggar. And yet, it's the first thing and the only thing that he discards. He no longer wants any affiliation with it. And yet, prior to that, his whole body and identity is wrapped up in that. And so perhaps a bit like Bartimaeus, we find comfort, familiarity behind our own cloaks. The question for us is, are these challenges, these constraints, these troubles, defining or redefining our identity and our outlook on life? Scholars, theologians regularly refer to this portion of scripture as the story or the healing of blind Bartimaeus. At the surface level, no problem, right? But he's already defined by the ailment. He's already defined by the condition. Are you prepared to be defined by your condition, by the thing that's causing you challenges in your life tonight? Or are you prepared to throw it off? You have a choice to keep wearing that cloak or throw it off. And every day you choose to wear it, you're choosing to absorb everything that's attached to it. You do not have to wear your cloak. The restraints, the restrictions, the challenges that are emerging in your life or ever present in your life do not have to shape your purpose, dictate your future, or define your value. Amen? My encouragement for you today is if you truly want breakthrough, you want freedom, you want deliverance, you want the anointing, you want healing, you want victory, then you're going to have to throw your cloak off 
all the challenges attached to it, and run only into the arms of Jesus. We're called to live unhindered, unburdened lives as Christians. He and he alone can meet and satisfy every single need in our lives. The question, friends, is are we prepared to do it? Or is it too safe and too comfortable, too risky for us? And so we will continue to be weighed down. Verse 51, and Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Somehow, in some way, Bartimaeus knew exactly what Jesus could do for him. He knew that he just had to ask and it would happen. My question is, do we have the same level of faith tonight? I don't know about you, but I want to get to that place. Amen? I want to get to that place where I believe that I ask in the name of Jesus and it's mine, as long as it's his will for my life. Don't forget also, it's pretty obvious at this point what Bartimaeus' need is. And yet Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? I mean, hello? I don't know about you, but it's a stupid question. Initially, you would think, because the need is obvious. But this already informs us that Jesus is always willing, able, and available to meet our needs. Now, let's be clear. The question to Bartimaeus is pretty simple, and his answer is equally simple. It's an all-encompassing response. Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Bartimaeus had a clear understanding of who Jesus was. He had supreme faith, high levels of confidence that his need was well within the scope of Jesus' capacity. So I want you to think about your greatest need right now. Take a second. Do you genuinely believe it is within the scope of Jesus? Because whatever your answer is, whether it's yes or no, or I'm not sure, that is going to define and dictate how you subsequently approach the Father. If you believe your greatest need is within the scope, embrace the Father the way Bartimaeus does, and you will receive your breakthrough. But it's also important, friends, that we need to recognize Bartimaeus makes no attempt to justify, qualify, or find any form of approval for his need. The question that Jesus gave him was a pretty simple one, and his answer was simple. No frills, no nonsense, no long waffling story, straight to the point. Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Straight down the line. When will we last straight down the line in our communication with Jesus? Do we present the excuses, present the narrative, the dialogue, the context to our situations because somehow Jesus wouldn't know what we've gone through that day. It's an important point for us to consider. I think too often for us as believers, we overcomplicate our relationship with him. We've got some invisible scale of approval whereby in different seasons of our lives, we feel we need to find his approval. Like, you know, I, I, I've tithed all month. Uh, yeah, I can definitely approach Jesus. Like, oh, hang on, I forgot. So maybe the scale now moves a bit until we get to the point where we're way down the other side of the scale where we don't think that we can gain God's approval. Complete nonsense from the pit of hell. The inherent risk in automatically and always attempting to qualify, justify, or find some form of need 
to be approved by Jesus results in you missing out on the very thing that you're seeking him for because you spend your whole time dancing around the topic. Verse 52, and Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. The healing of Bartimaeus gives every one of us hope for a healthy, bright, strong future in him. Now more than ever, this needs to become our portion as we emerge out of lockdown and friends into a season of growth, multiplication and fruitfulness for the kingdom of God. Every source of pain, heartache, every tear that you've ever cried, every disappointment that you've ever endured over the last five or six months that we've been in lockdown, just the way Bartimaeus had undoubtedly suffered the same on the side of that road, will be turned into seeds that will produce great results for his kingdom. Why? Friends, simply today we have two choices. Stay where we are with all the weight of the recent past continuing to define us, demoralize us, disarm us and distract us. Or we choose the response that Bartimaeus chose to truly trust in Jesus and lean into his presence for guidance and direction. So what are the learning outcomes for us today? What have we learned that we can apply to our context? Well, first of all, Bartimaeus heard Jesus passing by and he lifted his voice. When did you last truly lift your voice to God in desperation? When did you last cry out to him? We know the people around him told him to shut up or to be quiet, to be silent, depending on your translation. That's a word for one or two people around here. Don't allow the opinions, the nonsense of other people to stop you gaining what is your God-appointed portion. The closer Jesus got to Bartimaeus, the louder Bartimaeus got. In this new season, make that your goal. Become desperate, truly desperate, not a fleeting moment at the end of a sermon or a Sunday. Become truly desperate for the presence of God because all that God promises us is himself. And he cries out. Jesus at this point stood and asked the very people around Bartimaeus who had been telling him to shut up, to now help him. Which tells us, friends, that Jesus is not adverse to going against the status quo to achieve his aims and goals in your life. Never forget, Jesus will always make time for anyone that cries out in desperation and in need of him. And it's a thought-provoking question. When did we last truly cry out for grace, for mercy? We know that Jesus asks the obvious question. The evidence is overwhelming. It's staring Jesus in the face, what Bartimaeus needs. But Jesus still wants Bartimaeus to declare his need to him. The same is true for us today. Don't assume, even though he knows, that Jesus knows every need that you have. He wants you to declare your need to him. The question is, are you prepared to go beyond the humiliation? Are you prepared to go beyond the mundane, ticking the boxes of your Christian walk and cry out to him? in desperation, and allow him to meet each and every one of your needs. And so when 
Bartimaeus declares, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That is a very clear confession. Bartimaeus recognizes, accepts, endorses, affirms the sovereignty of Jesus. Jesus, his Messiah, his healer, his Lord, and his Savior. Instantly, the healing is his. It reminds me of that worship song, and I don't know the words, and I won't do a solo. Just one touch from the king changes everything. Now, at this point, the cost to Bartimaeus is zero, or so close to zero, it's irrelevant. A little bit of bartering with the crowd, perhaps pushing past the potential humiliation of being ignored. Small cost, but my goodness, what an end result. But also, he doesn't just grab his healing and run. Something for us to think about. He consecrates, surrenders his very life to Jesus. We need to demonstrate that same heart attitude. Often, don't know about you, but I've grabbed my blessing. I've grabbed my breakthrough. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm, boom, off for the hills. We treat God like a vending machine. We treat time with God like a vending machine. Not, doesn't have to be the case. This man received exactly what he needed, only what he needed, and walked in full confession to Jesus. He's moved beyond the hurt, beyond the pain, beyond the past and the baggage and a, that's attached to that into the glorious, whole, healthy future with victory and freedom that's found only in Christ. Remember, Bartimaeus could not see physically, but he could see spiritually. He had not seen any miracle, not one, that Jesus had performed at this point. And yet, in spite of that, he believed. That is irrevocable evidence for you and I today, that we don't always need some great big word of knowledge. We don't need Jesus to put the words in stars in the sky for us to believe. We just need to have faith. We need to see always through the lens of faith in our daily walk. And I want to go further and suggest that on occasion, some of us could be spiritually blind, blind to our sin, our heart attitude, our transgressions. But in order to be healed, we need to acknowledge that we're not whole and that we need healing. The goal in me sharing that is not to expose the fact that we're not whole, but it's to prepare us for healing because God wants every one of us whole and healed. But it's difficult because we often ignore the truth because the truth is difficult to see and to face. It's fundamentally easier to ignore or pretend that it doesn't exist. Some of us are just more conscious of our need than others. So in conclusion, what have we actually grasped today? Bartimaeus didn't pay for his healing. He didn't work for his healing. He didn't even queue up like you wonderful people that have come to the 530 service that are in the building had to do. Just the small matter of an immediate healing. I want to suggest that we need to untangle ourselves from the bureaucratic, legalistic thinking and processes in how we approach the Father. We need to divorce our thinking that we need to have some form of spiritual etiquette, some certain level of spiritual maturity before God will move in our lives. I encourage you, present yourselves just as you are to Jesus. Bartimaeus made no attempt to comb his hair, 
wash his face, do anything. No, 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 he, 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 he was straight down the line. Jesus has to accept me right where I am at this moment. Here's another thought. Jesus is willing to be interrupted. How's your schedule? What are you up to next week? I encourage you, find a portion of time each day to spend with Jesus. Jesus is never too busy to spend time with you. But often, we use the word busy to describe our lives, and we're not busy spending time with him. Because, friends, when we're faced with challenges, our first response is always, what can we do? What can I do in my own situation? Bartimaeus makes no attempt to do that. Something in our human existence, the way we're wired up, demands and dictates that we must move towards action. And our action often is a reaction when we look at the enormity of the challenges in front of us. But the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of God's word, provokes us and dictates to us that we must just present ourselves afresh to who we are in God and watch him move. Because action alone is insufficient, we need the faith. Then total transformation becomes our portion and we are able to live in wholeness and love and service to God. We are in what's been called time and again, an unprecedented season. I want to suggest as this season comes to a close and we are catapulted into a new season of fruitfulness, who is God calling us at KTLCC to be? I hope and pray that he's calling us to be a people that are desperate for the presence of God. That has to be our heart's cry. That desperation for Jesus. And know this, Jesus will meet us. Our cries for mercy will get his attention. And then, friends, it's just a simple question. The title of my sermon. What do you want me to do for you? Demonstrate that simplicity. Demonstrate the vulnerability that Bartimaeus did. Tell him exactly what you need him to do in your life. And he will do it. And you will follow Jesus. You will walk with him. You will give him all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Why? Because he's worthy of it all. In Jesus' name, God bless you.